just come back from a walk. It was one of those times later in the day where I was debating whether to go out for a walk or not and also trying to sense the resistance whether it was just because it would be busy outside it was the rush hour and I could sense that my body wanted to move so usually when I walk it's often at a fast pace there's usually awareness there taking in the surroundings and there's an element of mindful walking but quite often I use this practice to exercise as well so I often walk quite quickly to increase the heart rate and but <clears throat> but this particular walk I walked very slowly almost as if somebody was directly in front of me and so I had to measure my my steps carefully walk and I walked in this way purposefully because well I I did feel a little bit tired so I was encouraged to walk this way but it also allowed me to absorb the surroundings it gave me time and it allowed me to relax in the walk as well often a walk is to a means to an end it's to get to where you're going even when I have some awareness there is still an element of me already in the future already wanting to get somewhere this particular walk was it, it was almost like it was my last walk I had if someone was to say to you the next time you, you walk that will be the last time last walking experience you'll have and it wasn't in a pressurised way a stressed way well I better you know, make the most of this it was almost an invitation to be more open in a walk to enjoy the slowness to really be present in the surroundings the sounds the feelings as well when I first began there were I noticed there were some pains in my knee and immediately there was a reaction of why you know why this pain is there or why it's come back now I suffer from I've suffered from pains in my knees for a while now and when I remember or get myself to do do so I do do you know rehab 
exercises. So immediately I was, you know, a little bit unhappy with that. Soon that was let go of and as the walk progressed and the pain left, whether it was my attention or the way I was walking or sometimes it takes time for the body and muscles to warm up and they may have some you may get some niggles of pain or aches and when the body's fully warm and the muscles are activated perhaps it was that So I invite you to also experience this as well. You don't necessarily have to go as slow as I did. Maybe you, know, you can walk without needing to go somewhere. You can set a time aside where you're walking just to walk. It doesn't necessarily have to be a beautiful forest or a park or I'm quite lucky where I am as there is a as a park across the street so I walked around the block beginning in the busy road and enjoying that as well enjoying the activity the movement Usually I'd see cyclists, but now there's all these people on electric scooters. I was in some ways happy to see it, the you know, the the cleanness of it. No you know, zero pollution. Of course there were cars and there were people as well and There was a different sense of the world as if when walking with this awareness and and this and the slow pace helped with that for me. In a sense it was almost as if you'd pressed pause on the world. Although it was moving, but you could almost ground in the stillness. The stillness that the changing is happening in. The changing occurring in the unchanging. There's also a, a video I watched earlier today that I wanted to mention. I, by a teacher named Tara Brack. And she spoke about deep listening, which I've I may have mentioned before when talking about Teek Nat Han's book. And you can search it on YouTube and you can just type in Tara Brack and either check out her latest video uh, from the date of this is 
date of this episode's publication or you can search Tara Brack Deep Listening it should come up I may also add a link to the YouTube video on my Patreon as well and I may write about it I have a journal on there that I well I post videos or I post journal entries related to my practice so it's there for people to to watch and to comment and some deep breaths before we begin reading a new earth and just as I talked about walking in a slow or in a absorbing way in a open and aware state you can of course apply that to any sort of doing including reading so I'll try to carry that with me as, as we read together and we are on the passage titled reactivity and grievances whereas resentment is often the emotion that goes with complaining it may also be accompanied by a stronger emotion such as anger or some other form of upset in this way, it becomes more highly, more highly charged energetically. Complaining then turns into reactivity, another of the ego's ways of strengthening itself. And there are many people who are always waiting for the next thing to react against, to feel annoyed or disturbed about and it never takes long before they find it this is an outrage they say how dare you I resent this they are addicted to upset and anger as others are to a drug through reacting against this or that they assert and strengthen their feeling of self a long-standing resentment is called a grievance to carry a grievance is to be in a permanent state of against 
and that is why grievances constitute a significant part of many people's ego. Collective grievances can survive for centuries in the psyche of a nation or tribe and fuel a never-ending cycle of violence. A grievance is a strong negative emotion connected to an event in the sometimes distant past that is being kept alive by compulsive thinking, by retelling the story in the head or out loud of what someone did to me or what someone did to us. A grievance will also contaminate other areas of your life. For example, while you think about and feel your grievance, its negative emotional energy can distort your perception of an event that is happening in the present or influence the way in which you speak or behave towards someone in the present. One strong grievance is enough to contaminate large areas of your life and keep you in the grip of the ego. It requires honesty to see whether you still harbour grievances, whether there is someone in your life you have not completely forgiven, an enemy. If you do, become aware of the grievance, both on the level of thought as well as emotion. That is to say, be aware of the thoughts that keep it alive and feel the emotion that is the body's response to those thoughts. Don't try to let go of the grievance trying to let go, to forgive, does not work. Forgiveness happens naturally when you see that it has no purpose other than to strengthen a false sense of self, to keep the ego in place. The seeing is freeing. Jesus is teaching to forgive your enemies is essentially about the undoing of one of the main egoic structures in the human mind. The past has no power to stop you from being present now. Only your grievance about the past can do that. And what is a grievance? The baggage of old thought and emotion. The next passage is titled Being Right, Making Wrong. <clears throat> Complaining as well as fault finding and reactivity strengthen the ego's sense of boundary and separateness on which its survival depends. But they also strengthen the ego in another way by giving it a feeling of superiority 
on which it thrives. It may not be immediately apparent how complaining, say, about a traffic jam, about politicians, about the greedy, wealthy, or the lazy unemployed, or your colleagues or ex-spouse, men or women, can give you a sense of superiority. Here is why. When you complain, by implication, you are right, and the other person or situation you complain about or react against is wrong. There is nothing that strengthens the ego more than being right. Being right is identification with a mental position, a perspective, an opinion, a judgment, a story. For you to be right, of course, you need someone else to be wrong. And so the ego loves to make wrong in order to be right. In other words, you need to make others wrong in order to get a stronger sense of who you are. Not only a person, but also a situation can be made wrong through complaining and reactivity, which always implies that this should not be happening. Being right places you in a position of imagined moral superiority in relation to the person or situation that is being judged and found wanting. It is that sense of superiority the ego craves and through which it enhances itself. passage is titled In Defence of an Illusion. Facts undoubtedly exist. If you say light travels faster than sound and someone else says the opposite is the case, you are obviously right and he is wrong. The simple observation that lightning precedes thunder could confirm this. So not only are you right, but you know you are right. Is there any ego involved in this? Possibly, but not necessarily. If you are simply stating what you know to be true, the ego is not involved at all because there is no identification. Identification with what? With mind and a mental position. Such identification, however, can easily creep in. If you find yourself saying, believe me, I know, or why do you never believe me? Then the ego has already crept in. It is hiding in the little word, me. A simple statement 
light is faster than sound, although true, is now in the service of illusion, of ego. It has become contaminated with a false sense of I. It has become personalised, turned into a mental position. The I feels diminished or offended because somebody doesn't believe what I said. Ego takes everything personally. Emotion arises, defensiveness, perhaps even aggression. Are you defending the truth? No, the truth in any case needs no defence. The light or sound does not care about what you or anybody else thinks. You are defending yourself, or rather the illusion of yourself the mind made substitute. It would be even more accurate to say that the illusion is defending itself. If even the simple and straightforward realm of facts can lend itself to egoic distortion and illusion, how much more so the less tangible realm of opinions, viewpoints and judgments all of them thought forms that can easily become infused with a sense of I. Every ego confuses opinions and viewpoints with facts. Furthermore, it cannot tell the difference between an event and its reaction to that event. Every ego is a master of selective perception and distorted interpretation. Only through awareness, not through thinking, can you differentiate between fact and opinion. Only thought awareness, uh, only through awareness are you able to see. There is the situation and here is the anger I feel about it and then realise there are other ways of approaching the situation, other ways of seeing it and dealing with it. Only through awareness can you see the totality of the situation or person instead of adopting one limited perspective. to the end of that passage and I will end the, the reading here. So a lot of these passages we've read is, is not only connected with the, the overall shape of the chapter which is the, the core of ego but talking specifically with the superiority of the of the ego, which confuses opinions and judgments as facts, which loves to complain, which loves to go against 
a situation or somebody. So just to touch upon the titles we've read today of reactivity and grievances, the grievances the meaning the the, the long term resentment of something, something that that has deep roots in you. A grievance. And then being right and making wrong. And this is the natural behaviour of the ego, what the ego likes. And finally, in defence of an illusion. And we are talking about the illusion of of any, in some ways, thoughts and opinions. It's all part of the illusion, as Eckhart says here, that light and sound are not concerned with what you believe or feel. You've taken on the illusion of my viewpoint. And usually when there's the, the little word hiding in your statement called me, then perhaps that's an indication of that the ego has crept in. And so easy is it for the ego to creep in when in conversation with another, when trying to share your viewpoint or explain something, how quickly is it for there to be a reaction or to, for there to be emotion there, which is the reaction of thought, which may be like they don't believe me or that you know they're they're wrong or they're not seeing clearly you know another phrase is trust me I know what I'm talking about or it's the and of course you may you may be right in regards to speaking facts you know Eckhart talks about you know light being fast and sound But also to be careful of the ego coming in. And finally, there is the discussion of through awareness. This can be recognised. Says here, only through awareness are you able to see. So you can see the, you know, the the complexity, the intricacies of the ego and its behaviours. But the remedy is always very simple and clear. Just to be aware. And in the field of awareness, all of these complexities drop away and they are seen for what they are. And I'll just read the final statement of the last passage we've read. 
Only through awareness can you see the totality of the situation or person instead of adopting one limited perspective. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. I wish you well as always in this one moment and we will talk again very soon. Take care.